0: 5,
1: 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Out of Left Field with Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. For the next hour, it's all college football. And it's brought to you by Farm Bureau, Go with the Home Team, Country Police and Sausage, and Cannon Ford of Starkville. Nobody beats a cannon deal. Nobody. And now... Here are your hosts, Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. And welcome to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Well, Alabama week behind us now. We get ready for the second half of the schedule. And on the show today, we'll talk to Matt Wyatt, color analyst for Mississippi State on the radio network, also host the Matt Wyatt Show throughout the state of Mississippi every day. We'll also talk to Jake Gotro on the show later and we'll talk about Mississippi State baseball as we get set for the 2021 version expanded rosters this year it's going to be a different look and so Charlie we finally got the election day behind us we don't know about the results yet but we finally got the election day behind us and so football this weekend Vanderbilt we need to get a win
2: well I us say we've got Alabama behind us as well so yeah. I'm glad <laughs> to have both those things somewhat in the rearview mirror although the effects may still linger for a while yeah you're right that It's a game this weekend where you have to get a win. One, for just the pride of your record. You need something on that side of the ledger. The other is, though, you'd like to see that improvement out of this team. And I think one of the questions I'd have for you, Bart, is a a win's a given. We know we want that, but are we putting any style points on this? As we come into this game, are we saying, hey, we don't just need a win, but we need to score 35 points or Let's not get ahead of ourselves twenty eight twenty one where Where do you see it beyond needing a win? What do you think we need?
1: you know, looking back at the past week and seeing how we played against Alabama, you know it's and not just Alabama, even against Kentucky and arkansas and texas a and m at times is just the struggle to get a first down, and just trying to move the ball it's painstakingly slow. And, and I know that's a big part of this game. And, and we had that against LSU, scoring drives with you know, 13, 14, 15 plays, and that's just the way this offense is built. But it just seems like everything is a chore. You know, you're not given anything whatsoever. Just trying to get a little confidence of going down the field. We've used the word confidence ad nauseum in the last month. But you feel like you're going to get Will Rogers, uh, unless you know we haven't heard officially about K.J. Costello. But it's going to be one of those things where I think you just got to get some. Leave the tell the guy, listen, if you throw an interception, it's okay. Just throw the ball down the field and let's try to get some. Let's try to get some semblance of yardage in that second layer. Because, yeah, because just... right now everything we're doing at the, at the quarterback position, and I know a lot of it, you're dancing around. You got guys in your face, and you're new to the offense. The easy thing to do is to check down to you know the short crossing routes or the or the the running backs, and, and picking up a yard or two, and that's about it. But sooner or later, you're going to have to make that decision, okay, we are going to throw the ball and put the ball 10 yards in the air.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big thing for me. I, I'm And, look, I know that sometimes you have to get it to the back, and that's part of the design. I know that sometimes you got to get to a receiver two yards down the field, and that's part of the design. But we have not seen balls travel in the air much at all. I just want to see us – you know, you talk about, well, how do you get more room underneath? Well, back them off a little bit. Maybe try to take the top off the defense. We just have very, very rarely challenged downfield. Now, I will say, to the extent that we have tried, it's been when Rodgers was in the game, I feel like. I think he's been a little bit more willing to throw it a little more down the field. Now, he's thrown some interceptions. They had one against Alabama, just trying to get one in there. But should have had a completion, Osiris Mitchell on a ball down inside the 10-yard line. So I am hopeful that we will see an offense that will kind of be what we expected. You know, if you go back to when we were looking at Mike Leach's stats coming into the year, one of the things we said was this was not a dink and dunk offense, that his yards per completion were fairly significant. But that has not proven to be the case so far.
1: Here about this weekend, here's what I feel good about is because – if you look at how the schedule has played out, and and you look at two teams that really throw the ball a lot and have the same premise with their passing attack, it's it's us and Ole Miss. Ole Miss runs it a little bit more than we do. I think they run it about 60% of the time. We run it 80% of the time. I mean, they throw it 60% of the time. We throw it 80% of the time, so there's a big difference there, but... Arkansas had success against us defensively and had success against Ole Miss defensively pretty much the same way. And so then you start thinking about teams and how they defend you and how they defend Ole Miss, okay? I think Alabama took a lot from that Ole Miss game about how they want to defend and put it toward us, and I I think they did a much better job. Now Texas A&M, excuse me, Vanderbilt, had a very tough time this past weekend, even though they had the blueprint from Arkansas. I just go back to Vanderbilt with guys who have opted out. You know, their top defensive back is out this weekend, Orgy. He's, a you know, of, of one of their better defenders. I just think this is the weekend that is your Tennessee Tech. And I hate to say it like this this is your your fcs opponent this is your non conference game that we've all talked about when you have that 10 game schedule sometimes you just need that break of that non conference team vanderbilt and i'm i'm not throwing shots here vanderbilt has been wretched this year and a lot of it is due to having covid situations about having you know guys out opt out you've got to be able this weekend to get confidence. You have to because I don't think if you do it this weekend, it's going to be tough to gain that confidence later in the schedule.
2: No, this is it, right? This is as close as you're going to get to your offense playing your number twos in a scrimmage.
1: Is that is that the nice way of saying it's now or never? Well,
2: yeah, but I was going to say there's two things there, right? There's an opportunity, an opportunity to get back on track. There's an opportunity to maybe get your offense going again, but there's also the danger if you don't we can't be sitting here next week excusing it. You know, we're just going to call it out for what it is. If we don't have a big game offensively, it will not speak very good for the next couple of weeks of the season.
1: And I don't want to spin anything in any way. Looking back at last week against Alabama and Charlie and I, we sat down on Sunday and had a little coffee and had time to kind of settle back. And you know, we we both agreed is. I don't remember a whole lot about the game itself. It was kind of like a fog. It was a state of mind the entire game. But but looking back at that game, I felt like we had some chances to have some turning points. I thought the interception, I thought one of the biggest plays of the game, one of the biggest plays of the game to me, was Alabama coming up with a pick after we came up with a stop inside of our five. I thought with a defense coming up with a big stop, You know, inside the five-yard line, it was reminiscent of two years ago. We had something positive. Then we throw the pick late. and kind of takes away that momentum. But if if you're the defense, and I know you just gave up 41 points, but a lot of that came off of, you know, what was set up due to the offense, you have to have some confidence as a defense going forward, even though you've got some guys out with some injuries.
2: Yeah, you absolutely do because you go back and you draw that great parallel back to – 2017, I guess it was, Jeffrey Simmons and those guys. We got Alabama in a game that was 24 to nothing. It didn't matter for the outcome, but what you saw was a defense fighting at the end, and we saw that parallel, and all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good, and then, you know, the pick six, and boy, that's one thing. If you go back and look, how much bad luck have we had throwing the football this year in terms of throwing pick sixes, And then having balls that you put in a 50-50 position and your guy doesn't come up with it. We've got at least two interceptions in the end zone where you feel like your guy should have made a play.
1: What's the mindset right now? I mean, is the mindset, okay, this is a complete rebuild. It's going to take two, two two and a half or two years, three years or whatever. I mean, what's the mindset? I know the mindset right now of a, of a lot of people in the fan base. And, of course, I've been on a lot of text groups that I wish I could not watch <laughs> during the games. Some I'm a part of that uh, the people are probably saying the same thing about me. I wish Bart would shut his mouth. But I think I'm on that one with you, maybe, that uh, all, your, all the buddies say, hey, Bart, please be quiet. But going forward, I mean, Mike Leach is going to be your football coach. Mike Leach is in year one right now. You know, Joe Moorhead was here for two years. A lot of people went crazy. What happened with Joe Moorhead and getting rid of a football coach after two years is pretty much an anomaly in this business. Now, the positive is, is I feel like Mike Leach is going to get his receiver's His quarterbacks, he's going to teach. He's got a young quarterback. He's got first-year quarterbacks in the system. I think it's going to take some time, and I'm I'm not making excuses in any way because I can be as negative as anybody else. But, but Charlie, how long do you think it's going to be before it starts clicking?
2: Well, I'd say two things. One is I think we have to admit that we are changing expectations a little bit because coming into this year, I thought we had – you know, I thought we'd win three or four games. I didn't expect us to have a great year. I thought we would be okay. Then after LSU, all of a sudden, I'm thinking we're going to win six games. You know, things kind of look up for you. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, you know what, with COVID, with all the strange things happening and a tire SEC schedule, this game doesn't really count. I was thinking back, by the way, in South Bend, Indiana, home of the Fighting Irish.
1: Two shiny helmets, man. There is the, the, a, the helmets are too shiny.
2: There is a golf course. And, you know, so a lot of places you get out and you don't have time to warm up. You go straight to the first hole. Well, this golf course has an extra hole. Okay. So they have a warm up hole. They call it a Blarney hole. And so if you're coming from the car, you ain't got time to get on the range, you play that hole and then your round starts. Then you got 18 more. In some ways, now that I'm forced to kind of reassess where we are, I'm viewing this season as that Blarney hole. All right, it's a game. Nobody's losing eligibility. Everything's a little bit strange. Right now, I think more important for wins than anything else is development. And to some degree, I think that's what mitigates in favor of seeing a lot more Will Rogers on the back half of this year figure out what you have.
1: I've seen some golf courses have 19th holes. From a standpoint of having a par 3 as your 19th hole, it's called a bet breaker. I've heard it called the bet breaker. And, and they have a par 3 as the 19th. This is a true story. I was, of course, I'm a turf guy and was involved in, you know, the construction of the second course at Dancing Rabbit. And Tom Fazio, who was a golf course architect, thought about it one time, about, hey, let's put a 19th hole in here going back to the clubhouse after 18 on the on the Oaks course, he said, "Hey, let's put a 19th hole and call this one the you know the bet breaker." And anyway, they ended up not doing it; they didn't have enough space to do it between the cart path and the hole number one. But anyway, yeah, I understand what you're talking about. But I've seen it on the back end as well. Charlie and I've got a good show today. Matt White, Jake Gotro, going to join us. We're going to come back with more. We're brought to you by Farm Bureau. Go with the home team, favorites.com. They've got agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. And once again, thanks to our fine sponsor at Farm Bureau. And you're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. We go to the phones and this phone conversation brought to you by our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing located on Highway 49 in Florence. So if you're making a way up from Hattiesburg or you're in the Jackson area, head down to fight all that uh, road construction on Highway 49 and head on down to Country Pleasing. Matt, um, I have introduced Charlie to the blueberry maple. And I know you. Yeah, I think you've got to ask for it when you go down there because they only have it in the storefront. No, Charlie, I don't think I have brought it to you yet. No, you have not. This is a recurring theme on this show.
2: (laughs) Every week he comes on talking about some new version of Country Pleasing Sausage. He always tells me, oh, yeah, I've got a whole freezer full of it. I'm bringing it back to you. So far, I've gotten one hat and no sausage out of Bart Gregory.
3: What's his excuse? Is uh, social distancing? Is that his
2: excuse? (laughs) Yeah, you know, he can make it all the way. (laughs) <laughs> from the I ate, from the store to Starkville, well, but he can't make it the final block and a half.
1: Well, I ate the first batch. I have to admit it. I ate the first batch, and so now I've, I've got to keep on – I've got to bring it to him. Matt, uh, we had uh, you on the show before the season started, and we we talked about the, the preseason, about what we thought was going to happen in 2020 with Mississippi State football. We thought it would be a good idea just to get you back on and talk about the midway point. We played five games this year. What are your surprises, good and bad so far after watching the 2020 version of Mississippi State football?
3: Yeah, well, you know, you you reminded me that I talked to y'all before the season. I probably should say that I'm surprised how wrong I was about our defense. <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't be surprised. You know, they're much better than anybody thought. And, and you know, going into the year, it, it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of <clears throat> the... Um, I don't know, lack of preseason height for the defense, and, you know, I guess maybe lack of confidence. Some of that might have been coming out of practice, you know, seeing another team complete the ball some in practice, but also I think it was looking at personnel and the ages, you know, Bart. And, and I know I've talked about this with you coming into the year, we went, who's going to play corner? You know, you got one sophomore corner. True sophomore Emerson and everybody else is brand new, and you're going to go through an SEC schedule that can't be good. Well, but look at how well those guys are playing, and they've even had a, you know, a, a sort of a benching and an elevation of Forbes over there at the other one, and he's playing pretty well. You know, they got touched a few times against Alabama, but people are kind of staying away from Emerson. So anyway, I would say I'm I'm not just trying to go positive. I really do think the thing I was. M- most wrong about uh, was the defense. Um, and Zach Arnett, I think, is a real deal. Um, but but obviously, too, I think it's a surprise at how just up and down the season has been offensively, the lack of consistency. And that's pretty obvious. You know, 600 yards in the first game, in the air, and to you put your quarterback on the Heisman list. And then ever since then, really, you've been the worst offense in the SEC. Uh, outside of the guys you're playing this week, I guess. But in some ways, they've been a little more consistent than you have. So we know we're going through the throes of a transition. I just am a little surprised at how rough it's been, frankly, weeks two, three, four, and and five.
2: Matt, let's talk about those frustrations on offense. I think coming into the season – I expected us to turn the ball over. I thought, you know, you put it in the air a lot. That's going to happen. New system. You know, you have quarterbacks and receivers not necessarily on the same page. What I did not expect was what I sense is an inability to challenge defenses down the field. Yeah. As you look at it, um, you know, there's so many things that go into making an offense work. You got to have time to throw. You got to make the right read. You got to put the ball where it needs to yeah. be. What what among those or other things is it, or is it just all of the above a little bit?
3: Yeah, it is a little bit all of the above, Charlie. Um, you know, and and to get a little technical, I, I'll give you an example of something. I was watching some this morning some throws from different quarterbacks last week in the SEC, and going to do a quick video about it. And one of those was a throw by Kellen Mond against Arkansas, and y'all know what it is when somebody describes that hole shot versus cover 2 right you know that that it's a really hard read and a hard throw but it's you get a cover 2 look where there's two safeties and on one side of the field you know the corner stays up and the receiver runs past the corner and he gets in that hole up the sideline behind the cornerback before the safety can get over there and the question is, can you make that hole shot as a quarterback? Can you get it in that hole at the right angle, velocity, and timing where it's completed, and neither that corner nor that safety can get in there and get, you know, knock it away? Well, Kellen Mond made that throw and that read for a touchdown against Arkansas, and it was a really tight window. So it takes the perfect timing, the right arm strength, and all that kind of stuff. So I watched him complete that, and I remembered back to that incompletion in the fourth quarter on Saturday in Tuscaloosa that Will Rogers was trying to hit uh, Osiris Mitchell. Y'all remember that one? Yep. And it was, Charlie, to your question, it was the one, really the one time in the game, the only time in the game where the ball got pumped up the field, up the sideline to try to hit one of our guys, right? And... We missed it by about two feet. And I think even if I go back and watch it, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Spurrier Jr. is telling Osiris Mitchell, hey, you got to go get that ball. That's on you. Because the ball was in that hole against cover two. So I I tell you all that context to say that's one example against this zone defensive look that you're getting every week where there was actually an opportunity to throw it up the field vertically and have a big play. It's just – We aren't, I think, seeing those opportunities enough when they are there against those two high safeties. And I think quarterback and receiver too often aren't on the same page. They don't know that it's there. Like I said, it's not only a hard throw, it's a hard read. To your point, Charlie, some of those opportunities are there, uh, even against what these teams are doing. We're just missing it. It, Too often we're missing it. The timing isn't there, therefore the – the clock goes off in the quarterback's head. He holds the ball, and you go the safe route, and you check it down. And, you know, look, I understand it's a part of the process. I, I get it. Um, and when, when I step back away from the games, I don't know how y'all do because you're on the post postgame. I, I step back away from the broadcast. The next day, my emotions go away, and I look at it much more pragmatically. But I got a little frustrated during the ballgame on Saturday watching it against Alabama. Um, and even got a little negative just because in the moment, your emotions, for me as a fan or somebody watching, I, I get frustrated. I was like, if I see another completion underneath on a check down to like a running back for one yard, and when he turns after catching the ball, he's already getting hit. If I see that one more time, I just might get nauseous. (laughs) and i've just i can't watch it again right and then you know you get away from the game and the next day i look at it and go well that's just another example where you know you're afraid to turn it over a little bit so they're coaching against that you didn't see the shot that might have been there wherever that is on the field and so you go the safe route and just check it down um that's kind of where the offense is right now
1: talking to matt wyatt matt uh Along those lines, you know, a part of this offense is the short crossing routes. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, we saw it with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach in 1999 when, with that tight end Waylon. I mean, it was it was one on one the whole game with Pig Prather. I mean, and we ran man to man and they ran us to death on that crossing route all night long. And teams, you know, and we talked about it ad nauseum about, you know, teams rushing three, dropping eight. But the check down of getting to those crossing routes that are shallow. And, and teams are in you know the, the eight man drop. Our receivers as soon as they're catching it, then give them credit. They're catching it, but they're taking some hits. What do you what do you see the adjustments in, in that part of the game? Is it continuing to run the short crossing routes? Is it finding the open space? Is It go a little deeper. I mean, what the, I mean for your checkdowns, getting one yard and that's about all. How do you get those yeah. checkdowns from one yard to five yards?
3: I I think it starts with the quarterbacks. Um, And I'm not in their meeting room, so I don't know what the coaches are telling them, Bart. That's the honest truth. You know, like I'm not sitting in the meetings with them, but I do really believe that it starts with the timing from the quarterback, the ball coming out of his hand. Uh, You go, like, what's the fix on that? If Let's say if the read does indeed bring you down to that crossing route or that underneath, what's the fix then that he catches it. And as soon as he catches it, he gets popped and backward for three yards and they mark his forward momentum again, you know, and it's second and eight. Well, I think the fix is it starts with a quarterback getting it out sooner. There is obviously, I mean, it's really obvious at times when KJ, um, has been in there, you know, holding the ball a little too long at times. Um, sometimes some sloppy mechanics contribute to the ball coming out late, um, just hesitating or holding on to it. And you're throwing that, what the defense is giving you, as a last resort, you know, so it's a little late. Versus you're already anticipating, you're already seeing it, and I'm getting it to him one or two steps quicker, so there's just a little more room after he catches the ball where – you you fall forward or you make him miss and it starts with the timing of the quarterback. I really think that's it, Bart. Um, And you can find a hundred examples of that on film. I do think a secondary part of it is the receiver end of it. Also understanding what's coming and and knowing, okay, uh, I got to get my head around quickly here because the ball is about to hit me in the ear if I don't look. See? And so that's the whole, you know, catch-22, the chicken or the egg thing, you know, who's whose responsibility As receivers, when you know without a shadow of a doubt, I better run this route full speed and get my head around because if I don't, the ball will hit me in the face. Okay, that ramps up the urgency. And the only way receivers get to that point is quarterbacks who constantly deliver the ball on time. So right now, then neither aspect of the pass game is there right now.
2: Matt, when I watch the games as a fan and you see Will Rogers come in, he has two interceptions in the end zone. And both times I'm thinking, man, our receiver's got to fight for that football. The defenders turn around backwards. That ought to be an interception. And you come back and the next day you talk about that next day view and you think, one, probably shouldn't have thrown it. Two, but once it was thrown, you got to make that play. Um, Mm. And it feels like it's just kind of taking – there's a little bit wrong everywhere, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, so let me ask you this, though. You've got Will Rogers, who came in, played a lot of the game against Alabama. K.J. Costello took a hit to the head. We don't know his status, but I think pretty good idea that Rogers may be getting his first start against Vanderbilt. Yeah. What are you saying to that young man as if, in fact, he is making his first start as you head into this game when offense has been struggling.
3: Yeah, I think your coaching points for him, Charlie, are number one, be aggressive. Be fast, be quick, be aggressive. Never hesitate. Pull that trigger. Turn it loose. That's that's coaching point number one for him. Have some fun. And you ain't gonna have any fun with a ball in your hands. You're gonna have fun when it's in somebody else's hands. Uh number two. Um, trust the calls that we give you you know you're a freshman you know you may have ideas and opinions on what stuff we ought to do when you come off the sideline we'll talk about it but when you're in the game you get the call you commit to that call because we know what we're doing you know and then number three is do we just trust people around you Um, have confidence and if you do that they're going to have confidence in you those are sort of the intangible things that you have to make sure you are coaching I think with a true freshman You know, and on the the turn it loose deal, that's, it it really, it's not just intangible. Yeah, I mean, you want him to have an aggressive attitude, but it manifests this way. Hey, get it out quick. Make a quick decision. Trust your read. Cut loose. Throw it. If they give you the deep ball, throw it. And because if you are not hesitating, everything's going to go better. You know, you're going to turn it over less if the ball's coming out on time because the DBs aren't going to be around it as much. You know, and if you make a mistake, man, throw it away immediately. I tell him, hey, look, you're a true freshman. <clears throat> you can you can go out in this game and turn it over five times, and you still nowhere near the career lead. They got guys like Wyatt and all these others. You're never going to catch their interception record. Go ahead and throw a few. It's fine. <laughs> if you, if you're, if if I'm coaching a quarterback, I tell him that I said, look, if we're asking you to throw four or five touchdown passes, which we are, you may turn it over a couple times too, and we'll live with it. Just throw more touchdowns. Than you throw picks, you know, but don't ever hesitate. That's what I do. I'd be in his ear, giving him all the confidence in the world that there's nothing he can do to damage his, to damage our opinion of him. Pull the trigger, cut it loose, and don't hesitate. I think that'd be coaching point number one.
1: Talking to Matt White. Hey, Matt, before we let you go, um, always in the spring, you know, you, you have daylight savings time, and you always have that yeah. first Sunday at church, and you have the, the, the family that shows up just as everybody's li- leaving. You know, they show up at, at 12 when they think it's mm. 11. Hey, they move <laughs> the game up. They move the game up this week to 2.30, so don't show up late, okay?
3: Well, I'm, I don't plan on it uh, showing up late, but you just never know. I'm confident, though, we have a whole crew of broadcasters <laughs> that work. We are all like, you know, next man up. We could do it. Bart Gregory could do it.
1: Ross Swanner. Uh, Ross Swanner's the guy Raul. that moves into the booth because we have no doubt the guy with the, the most personality as an engineer. No demand. No Yeah.
3: The, the most – the funniest – subtle personality i think i've ever been around ross uh, he's a guy he can say three words and everybody laughs you know it, it takes us more words than that or charlie winfield could do it or charlie you know charlie have you gone through life in the south of people not pronouncing the r in your first name instead of saying charlie they say charlie
2: Oh, you hear my that a lot? I, actually, I once <laughs> appeared on a court transcript, C H O L L I E, because <laughs> nobody there was able to pronounce my name right. Everybody <laughs> just assumed that was my name. That's a that's an all time pet peeve, right there.
1: That's probably well, in Orange I, County or somewhere like yeah.
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will admit, I hear it in Bart every now and then. The Nanawaya in Bart <laughs> comes out every now and then, and I hear him say, Charlie see you.
1: <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick before we let you go Vanderbilt yeah. this weekend the first of five to, to round out the year what do you want to see this week I mean w- I mean we talked about it last week I think uh, Sparky Woods Kevin Fant back in 2003 I think we won 11-8 to and you know everybody yeah. was like golly we beat Troy 11-8 to and if we win 12-7 to this week I don't know how much better we're going to feel but this team just needs a win and just uh we got about a minute before we hit the break
3: yeah, you, you just have to win the game somehow. Um, it'll if, if you don't, there are consequences there. There's not a whole lot of opportunity, honestly. But just win the game. But you also just want to see some confidence on offense. This week gives them an opportunity to do that. You know, three touchdowns on offense, you're going to feel like you made a step forward, honestly.
1: Matt, we'll see you on Saturday, brother. Appreciate you. All right, boys. Thank you all. And that's Matt Wyatt on our guest line segment brought to you by Country Pleasin Sausage. Country Pleasin made right here in the state of Mississippi. So go by and pick up some original pineapple pork, the onion. We haven't talked about the onion a whole lot or the andouille. Make some good red beans and rice with that andouille this weekend. So you're listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Let's go back to the phones in this conversation brought to you by our friends at Cannon Ford of Startville. Cannon Ford. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. And uh, joining us now, assistant coach Jake Gotro. Well, Jake, here's the thing. Fall World Series between uh, you and the uh, – Coach Cheese, Uh-oh. and uh, so anyway, the the thing was the the, the loser had to come on the, the radio with me and Charlie, and uh, but I'll say this. I don't know who drafted the teams. How did y'all come about that? Did you, y'all you draft the teams, or did, uh, did was he just given the the vast amount <laughs> of tremendous pitching?
0: Mur- well, he also had murderer's row yep. offensively, too. <laughs> um, you know, we tried to have fun with it. There was a little bit of an idea of how we were going to go about it. Obviously, there was one team that was – kind of your salty vets and a younger team but um, you know it, it made for a lot of fun it was highly competitive um, even though we got swept we easily could have won two games I keep telling them we handed him game two on a silver platter <laughs> but um, but it was it was fun it was a good time
1: so looking at this year's team, it's hard to believe that, you know, we're we're right around the corner now. And so you guys have had the fall, kind of had a little break in the fall and and trying to get everything wrapped up right now. So much has been talked about and and before we get into hitting about the vast amount of pitching that this team has and every team is going to have this year in college baseball how crazy is it when you look at scott foxhall and what he's got to deal with i mean the vast amount of riches on that uh, on that pitching staff
0: it is it's crazy and you know um obviously everybody is more talented this year you're going to see deeper rosters than ever um but we really are excited about our pitching staff um me coach fox coach limb it's very much a team effort in recruiting and so just in general if it was a normal year um you know you would have lost some guys to the draft and you wouldn't quite have the depth that we have. But there's some really, really talented arms. Obviously, a lot of the returners, but then a lot of really special new arms as well. So uh, we keep we keep making fun of Foxy and giving him a hard time, telling him no pressure because he's, he's got a pretty pretty impressive staff. I tell him we're going to pitch like the Yankees, so uh, don't mess it up. But but it's been very enjoyable to watch those guys go about their business. Um, besides just a bunch of power on the pitching staff with, with big fastballs. You have guys that that have really, really good stuff as well. Good secondary stuff. Um, you have a lot of options out of the pen to match up versus left or right. So we definitely like what we have. That's for sure.
2: Looking at the offensive side, you've got some big hitters back. Obviously, you know Tanner Allen, Josh Hatcher. You've got Rowdy Jordan, and but you've got kind of that absence now with Westberg and Foskew gone. How do you see those guys returning who've had so much success kind of adjusting uh, without having those other two big bats in the lineup with them?
0: Yeah, well, you look at T.A. and Rowdy and, and Hatch, and these guys have they have been through the war with us, you know, going back to 18. They're, they're very, very talented players, but they're mature, and they have been through the ringer, you know. And so there really isn't anything that you can throw at these guys, but they're going to back down or, or overthink it or or get scared um so you have a really nice mix of veterans who can really play but really tough <clears throat> kind of grind you out mentalities as well and so if you have the new guys that filter in under them that <clears throat> excuse me that are new to the system when those guys go about it the way that they do um it just makes it a lot easier as a coach for everybody to kind of get on the same page and and figure this thing out but yeah, you lose Westberg and you lose Foscue. It's a huge piece of the puzzle, but you you just keep on trucking. Um, you look at Cameron Cameron James, can he have the same jump from his freshman year to his sophomore year like Westy and Foscue did? Um, Logan Tanner, can he have the same jump in regards to from his freshman year to now? And I think those guys are are on their way to becoming pretty special players, and, and I think um, you guys will, will like what you see from those guys this year.
1: Talking with Jay Gotrow, Mississippi State assistant coach. And, Jake, so much about baseball is built about how you are in the middle. You, you talked about Logan Tanner behind the plate and you know, Cameron James making that jump from third base to shortstop and you know, second base is, is something that we got to settle on right now. And then you look out in center field – what are your thoughts of Cameron James moving that, making that move from third to short? Every time I've seen him play, he looks just a lot more natural because Westberg had to make that move from, from third to short. He's a big body guy, bigger guy, and it was kind of surprising to see him make that move to shortstop, and he was really good. But Cameron James, man, I'll tell you what, he looks smooth <laughs> out there and looks comfortable at shortstop.
0: Cameron was, a, nat- was a, a natural shortstop, or he was a shortstop when he got here um obviously played third base last year so you know there was plenty of inner squads whether it was fall or spring practice before the season last year where Cameron had to play short and he played it at a very high level you know and so that's where he feels most comfortable he also is a very good looking you know he's six three six four um athletic kid he, he's a pretty big kid but he moves very well he kind of glides around out there and so you always want to be really strong in the middle, just like you said. Logan Tanner, um, Luke Hancock, they have a chance to be really special behind the plate. There's a lot of very impressive options um, at second base. And then Rowdy, we know, is, is getting better every day in center. Um, Braylon Skinner is, is a new player for us. He has done a really good job in the center field. So in regards to being defensive up the middle, you feel good that you have a lot of options where you can run guys out there and you can defend at a high level.
2: Brandon Pimentel was a guy that we heard a lot about coming into the season last year, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but ended up, I think he had hits in five of his last six games, and he showed that he's a guy that if he runs into one, it can go a ways. We talk so much about freshman improving, but even though he's a little bit older guy, still just his first year in the system last year, where do you see him in terms of kind of making a jump between year one and year two? Yeah, he's really interesting. So, you know, we added him super,
0: super late. It was like a week before school started last year. Um, He could have gone back to junior college for another year. So all of a sudden he showed up here. Um, This was a very different environment for him, but he kept working. He kept getting better. In spring practice, he was probably the best hitter that we had. Um, Season started. Everybody remembers the, the big homer against Oregon State. Um, and then he he did. There was a lot of really good in that shortened season, um, and there was also some struggles here and there. So we're just trying to make him more consistent, but I think with a guy like like Brando this year, it's not new anymore. Um, he's not overwhelmed. This is There's comfort here now, and um, we're working on some things. Sometimes people look at Brando and think he's just a threat to leave the yard, um, kind of an all-or-nothing type of deal. We're trying to make him um, a hitter. Right. A guy that can use the entire field and then also um, run the ball of the yard. But wonderful kid. He works really hard. Um, There's big power in there. So, So I'm hoping we can get him to have a really nice year.
1: Talking to Jake Gotro Jake, along those lines, uh, guys that come into your program, and you've been around the, the block in recruiting for a long time now and understand how recruiting works. And it's crazy how recruiting has changed probably in the last 20 years. I and mean, it used to, when you went to Lake Point and you had a 100 teams over in Georgia, you know, all the college coaches would, would migrate to the one field or the one guy that threw 91, 92 miles an hour. And now you've got a 90-mile-an-hour kid throwing on every single field just about every single game. So kids coming in now have seen the high velocity of pitching. But w- but what is the biggest adjustment for a guy that's grown up playing ball, they, they play a ton of ball coming, you know, through the high school ranks with a high school team, then with travel teams and club teams but then they get to their freshman year of college. Is it spin? Is it is it the good breaking balls? What's the big adjustment for that uh, high school senior coming into being a first-year power five and somewhat like a junior college guy, too, making that jump from junior college into this level?
0: Yeah, well, when they get here, everybody was the best player on their team no matter where they were before they arrived. And then they arrive here, and everybody is just as good Or better as they are, you know, and so it's that fine line of of trying to get these young players to understand they don't have to do too much. I don't need a freshman like Kellum Clark trying to hit like Tanner Allen right now. It's it's not very realistic like that. Those guys are going to step in the box and have the presence and the results that TA will have. Um, They are used to the velocity because they see it all the time. Um, The only thing that would be different here is you can tick that velocity up a little bit, and there's probably 15 guys on our on our team right now that can run it up between 93 and 95 miles an hour or more than. So more velocity, um a lot more guys with velocity, but they're going to command that velocity here at this level a little bit better. They're going to hit their spots. They're going to be able to see own the inner part of the plate against our hitters. So that's a huge adjustment. And then yes, the the off speed, the breaking balls, the curve balls, the sliders, um it's different here than it is at the at the earlier younger levels. Those guys know what they want to do with those pitches. They know how to set you up with those pitches, and and those breaking balls and sliders are are a little bit nastier than what they're they're used to seeing. So um, it's just a process. You know, there's going to be a lot of failure for a lot of the new guys, especially this fall when they're facing our arms. Um, As a coach, you just have to understand that. You have to acknowledge it, and you have to let the players know that hey you have to fail if you want to succeed here you know very rarely does anybody come in here and and rake from the very beginning there's going to be failures we need to learn from them um, and then minimize those failures make a what would normally be an 0 for 20 rut or slump turn an 0 for 20 into a a one for nine you know just minimize those struggles but um, I think just the overall challenge of great players being around them as well and then the pitching staff's ability to locate their fastball at a at a higher level of fastball and then the off speed just being a tick better than what they've seen in the past. Of
2: course, obviously working with hitters throughout the fall, you know, you you got to help them get prepared for the pitching they see. I'm curious as to in our pitching staff, who really seemed to take a step forward in your eyes. Oh man, that's
0: a tough one. Um, you know, you you had the the famous three in in no particular order in uh, McLeod, Bednar, and Sarantola. Um, They've been really impressive. I think out of those three, Will Bednar right now is the one for me. um, Where the stuff right now now might be the loudest. It's just a very aggressive attack, a super confident kid. The fastball, he's going to run up to 98, but there's a real good slider in there now. Um, not saying that he's ahead of anybody, but it's just the stuff this fall has been has been really impressive. But guys like Casey Hunt, who last year came in here and wasn't the pitcher that we knew he could be, he's had a really nice fall in regards. His stuff is better, his velocity's back, his, his breaking ball and changeup are really good. Um, it's a tough question because there's so many guys that have made a jump, and there's so many guys that we're looking forward to um being able to lean out landon sims he was he was really good for us last year in certain stints his stuff has gotten better so there's so many different options of guys that that we're excited about in the mound but landon sims um will bednar right now are the first two that kind of stick out to me that that have made some nice jumps for us
1: jake appreciate you joining us hey before we let you go it's amazing you know, being a coach and being a hitting coach. And so many of these guys have, have grown up with swing coaches and they, they think they've got it down about, you know, how they want their particular swing. How much of your job, if you just, you know, percentage-wise, how much is it psychologist? How much is it is you talked about minimizing that 0 for 20, making it a 1 for 9. How much of it is not technical and just just completely mental psychologist from a hitting coach standpoint?
0: I think of myself as the team psychologist more than the team hitting coach <laughs> or swing coach. <laughs> um, well, I'm very fortunate here at Mississippi State um, that the best hitters in the country want to be a part of this program. So a lot of times you're getting the best players out there. So naturally there's a good swing. There, there's, they have good approaches. Um, not that we don't have to tinker with swings, right? We definitely work on everything. But once we get these guys in a, in a good setup in the box and we get their swings to where they need to be, um, and usually that part isn't real challenging, the most important part is getting them to think what they need to think when they step in the box, giving them a real approach, um, keeping an, an approach simple. Sometimes these guys, when they struggle, they want to go into mechanics. Well, no, it's not mechanics. It's, it's what you're thinking and, and what you're looking for and what your plan is. Um, are you, are you seeing the ball as early as you need to see it? Or are you thinking about your toe tap or your leg kick? And is that taken away from, from the simple things that we can do really well that we know help us in the end, you know? And so it is. Um, it's extremely mental. Uh, I try to stay as positive with, with the boys as much as I can. Um, and like I said, if you can acknowledge that you're thinking it up or you can acknowledge that you're scuffling and, and you're willing to work and, and be, you know, tough mentally, usually our guys do a a pretty good job of getting back on track.
1: Jake, appreciate you taking your time with us, man. It's always good stuff. Look forward to seeing you guys hit the field in February. No doubt.
0: Thank you guys for having me. Have a great day. Hell, State.
1: And that's hitting coach Jake Gotro talking about Mississippi State. Getting ready for the 2021 season and just a ton of athletic talent on that baseball team coming into 2021. Charlie and I will have a final word when we come back. That conversation, once again, brought to you by Cannon Ford of Starkville. If you're looking for a new car, a used car, if you're looking for an oil change or need something in the body shop, That's where I go, without doubt, every time I need something in the car business. That's at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Back with a final word. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. Well, Charlie, we spent so much time with Matt White and Jay Gotro, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about Vanderbilt. So we'll have to get in and get out of this pretty quick. We may have to, another Friday segment to kind of get you ready for your game this week. Okay, State uh, and Vanderbilt coming up. Uh, so we we talked to to White. Matt had some some good observations as he always does, and kind of shared the same thought as we did. You, you're going to have to you're going to have to make some mistakes. to to make some hay in this offense. And you can't be afraid if you're a Will Rogers, a true freshman quarterback, to make mistakes coming up on Saturday.
2: And I think that's one of the good things about Will. If if anything, he doesn't lack for confidence. This is a guy who's been a coach's kid, and he's had the ups, he's had the downs. I think the biggest issue for Will is just a question of adjusting to the speed of the SEC. And got a pretty good baptism uh, so far this year, playing against A&M and playing against Alabama last week hoping that this will be the game where he can settle in, assuming he's the guy, and we think he probably will be, can settle in and, look, just go back there and air it out and see what happens.
1: Okay, do you have any predictions score-wise? Do we do that? you want to do that? Do you have any score predictions? I'm going to say 31 for us, 31 to 10, 31 to 10. 10. 31-10. I'm not
2: predicting who that seven is going to go against, whether it's our offense or our defense. Oh, damn. I'm just giving you the ten.
1: 31-10, that's what I'm saying. State and Vanderbilt, we're going to feel a lot better about everything on our Sunday cup of coffee this week. Next week we play Auburn. That game has kind of morphed from going to looking good to looking bad, looking good to looking bad. We just really don't don't know what to think about Auburn. And so just got to take care of what's in front of us this weekend, State and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Once again, thanks to our fine sponsors, Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Companies. Go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Henry Hamill and the the group of agents throughout the state of Mississippi, tremendous customer service. Then Country Pleasing Sausage, we can't talk enough about the, the product. I had somebody text me the other day and said, Bart, I can't believe that I'd never even – Touched this stuff until we heard you and White and Charlie and everybody talking about it. And man, this pl- this thing is, is is unbelievable. They put it in some uh, Red Beans and Rice this past weekend, some of the Andouille, and then the Cannon Ford of Startwell. Chris Keene, big Mississippi State guy, general manager at Cannon Ford of Startwell, and those guys doing a tremendous job and a great addition to the Golden Triangle area. So that'll do it for this edition of Out of Left Field. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a comment. Leave a comment. Leave us a subscription. Give us a rating uh, because I tell you what, it's been amazing how this thing has really taken off, and we enjoy it each and every week. So anyway, tweet us at Bart and Charlie or just me at Bart Gregory or at Charlie Winfield. Get Charlie all the, the negative stuff for you. So anyway, appreciate you joining us. You've been listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.